I spent $73,000 on coaching programs and one-on-one coaches oh, in 2022. Wow. Moly. And now that has returned on an investment, you know, tenfold. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Ready, Go. Today, we are talking to, I'm not going to say his name yet because I don't want him to say anything, but we are talking to somebody who actually worked on me. He did a tattoo on me. And we just had such a great conversation while he was working on me about everything from ayahuasca to finances to art and creativity. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Ryan Roy. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thank you for coming. What the hell have you been up to since I saw you over the pandemic? Your whole like thing has changed so yeah. i, I want to hear about this well what who are you what have you been doing and yeah tell us about yourself should i like give a little history i guess or i don't know i don't go super far back but uh yeah you can because you kind of made this whole career change that i'm i'm fascinated yeah. by yeah yeah so um i am my name is ryan roy i have been a tattooer for about 14 almost 15 years i own a studio in greenpoint brooklyn called lowdown tattoo i think my studio had a different name when uh you got tattooed because it was a private studio then mm -hmm. and we've since moved uh expanded to uh, a street shop street front location we decided to rebrand it and i have a bunch of artists and um so yeah lowdown tattoo is the name of the shop um but since I tattooed you, so much has changed. Because I tattooed you right before the pandemic. Is that right? It was during the pandemic. Uh, we were wearing masks. Like, yeah. We were wearing right, masks, right, I remember. Right. Yeah. We went through right. two. It was, it was two three-hour sessions of wearing masks right. and talking about everything from, yeah. I mean, literally <laughs> everything. It was amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those tattooers that like I like to talk while I'm tattooing. I, I feel like I can almost get in the flow more. Um mm -hmm. And, um, I, yeah, I've just always been, I've always been an artist. Uh, I actually went to school for jewelry and metalsmithing and, um, my tattoo work is, you know, on the more detail, fine line, illustrative style of work. And, um, so yeah, that's just been my life's passion. My whole, you know, since I was 21 is when I started. And even before that, I was working in tattoo shops as a body piercer, and so tattooing has been my whole life. And along that journey, I realized that I'm fucking horrible with money. I'm just bad with money. And it sucks to be bad at money. Um, life's a lot harder when you're bad with money. And I was making decent money. And so I just like couldn't really quite figure it out, you know, and like and dealing with taxes was a nightmare and retirement was you know a whole enigma that i didn't understand but somewhere in the you know late 20s early 30s was like i need a no one's gonna do this for me like no one's gonna just say like hey ryan here's your retirement account like i need to figure this shit out and so i i, I just wanted to I, I like to say like all i wanted to do was i wanted to do sick tats that's all <laughs> i want to do but then the money thing was like impacting my ability to do sick tats all the time <laughs> And it was stressful, and I, I don't know where, if this was divine intervention or something, but it was, somehow I got this 
idea that if I got good at the money thing, if I learned about it in the same way that I learned how to tattoo, I could learn about money, um, that that would give me more time, more energy and more money to focus on doing tattoos, which is all I wanted to do. And I had a private studio after about eight years of tattooing at shops. I opened up a private studio, which, which even more put more financial responsibility on me. And, um, so I just got interested in personal finance. I, I, you know, I read this book, the richest man in Babylon, which is a great, um, <coughs> story. It's a short book, which is great. And it, it teaches you about the rules, the laws, the game of money from a, a perspective of a story, which is great. It's easier to understand and uh, apply what you learn versus just like a, here, do X, Y, Z, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, gave context to it all. And, so then like there, and I don't know, you know, it was like this switch, something, something went from like, I'm interested in this because I want to be a good tattooer to, I'm just like really fascinated with the world of finance, personal finance, business finance, investing. Um, and that was not at all what I thought was going to happen. I was, like I said, I never considered myself good with math or, or like a money person. I was really good at spending money. I was really good at making money, really good at spending money, not so good at saving money for my entire life. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, then the pandemic hit. And so, you know, this is like along around the time that I was tattooing you, I was starting an online business. I had a four month old baby when the pandemic started. I had to shut down my tattoo studio. I um, thankfully at the time had already started my financial journey quite a lot. And I had been thinking about financial coaching as like a, Oh, like thinking about it in the way that like, oh, the tattoo industry really could use some guidance and probably guidance from a tattooer, not from like Chad from Fidelity in a blazer telling you what to do. (laughs) And um, but I didn't have time to uh, to pursue it. And then everything changed and my whole life got shut down. And all of a sudden I had lots of time to pursue it um, when I wasn't like frantically trying to, you know, survive with my wife and daughter and everything in a 700 square foot apartment. So I, um, I started posting stuff on my tattoo Instagram about money, which I was so terrified to do at first. Cause they're like, didn't want to be judged. Didn't want like people to be, think that I'm full of shit. Like, why is this tattoo guy talking about money? What the fuck is this? You know, just how judgmental people can be. But I am really passionate about financial freedom, not because I care about money. I don't care about money to be totally honest. I care about people. I care about our lives. I care about the impact that it has. And when you achieve, you know, financial freedom, which looks very different for people. And I, I don't think that you necessarily need to have all the money in the world or passive income to achieve financial freedom. I think you can have financial freedom now. Um, everything gets easier. Every part of my life, my health, my well-being, my communication, my relationships, my ability to be a parent, my ability to have fun and relax in my life gets better. So that's why I'm interested in finance and personal finance. Um, and also, it's a topic that is so like triggering for people. And yeah. it's like, you know, food, money, and sex. Those three topics, like no one wants to talk about them. And out of the three, they'll talk about food. They might talk about sex, but no one wants to fucking talk about money. And so there was something that was alluring to me about it in that sense of like, this is like the no-go zone. Like don't, even people that are rebels don't go here. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to be the rebel that goes here. 
And um, so, yeah, and then, you know, I started working with clients one-on-one, -on -one, and that was cool. And then I got more clients and more clients, and I had a wait list, and I kept raising my prices, and it was getting, like, a little out of control. And like, I was like, I can't keep raising my prices. Uh, it's worth it, but I didn't feel comfortable doing that, so I, I went into group coaching. And so mm -hmm. now I run a global online coaching platform called The Artful Dollar, and um, we have hundreds of clients all around the world, most of them tattooers, but some of, we just signed on someone who's a real estate agent who just really resonated with our message, and we've had painters, chiropractor, or um, not chiropractors, uh, massage therapists, Reiki masters, like people that are just on the fringes of, not even the fringes of society, but just not people that generally look at our current financial service professionals as trustworthy or relatable mm -hmm. sources of information. And so I've found that my message seems to resonate with, with everyone else that Chad from Fidelity and his blazer, no offense to Chad, you're cool, you're doing <laughs> your thing, people guy. need you too. Chad's a good, solid dude, but he's not for everyone. And mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm trying to make available in an easy to understand, applicable, practical um, method uh, to to transform your relationship with money, not just the not just the numbers and the systems, but your whole mindset around money. Because uh, that when my mindset shifted, that's when my actions really started to shift in a more permanent way versus a temporary like band aid. What do you think of podcasts like this? where we're talking to other artists to learn and just see how artists navigate their career and what they go through uh, and give that to the world. We're just getting this knowledge out there and a free way of supporting this and helping us grow so that more people can learn is liking the podcast, rating the podcast on iTunes, sharing it, comment below. We want to hear what you think. We want to hear who you want on and what you want to hear about. So again, it's a free way to support what we're doing and help us grow so that we can all learn and grow as artists and grow a community. And now back to the show. Yeah. So that's the thing that stuck out to me the most because when, when you were working on me, we had a whole conversation. It seemed like the seed was there. I don't know if you were working any with anybody um, like as far as financial, I, if it was during the, then, it was, was like, it, was it 2020 or 2021? I think it was 2020. <clears throat> it was pretty early on in the pandemic. I maybe so. had one client, okay. maybe two. I barely, you know, it took a while for it to like really take off. It took a while for me to understand myself as a coach, as a financial mm -hmm. coach and like the whole identity around that. And there was like a, a weird death experience like ego death of like my mm -hmm. identity as a tattoo artist was being threatened by my identity as a financial coach mm -hmm. and uh there i remember i i work i've always worked with coaches my whole life every uh professional coaches business coaches personal coaches to you know i i would say life's too short to learn from your own mistakes so learn mm -hmm. from someone else's it's actually cheaper to hire a coach so that you don't have to make the mistakes than it is to make the mistakes for a long time trying to figure it out on your own. It's that's less actually, expensive. I think that's great advice because I think something that I fall into is the idea that like, well, I could learn anything. I could just learn this. I don't need to hire somebody for this. But... And here's the truth. You can, Anthony. Yeah, you can. Yeah. And you might not pay money to learn it, but you'll pay in time and energy. Right, right. 
Yeah. And I feel like especially with creative, it's so stigmatized to talk about money is it mm. almost makes you not as committed to your craft if you even mm. whisper anything about money. And it's so true. And I know I've experienced that shift myself. And to me, money is like energy. If you don't use it, if you don't understand it, it's almost stagnant. And you have yeah. to keep it in flow in order for you to even have any type of reciprocity towards it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my my personal mantra that I have used 10,000 times, I've recited this out loud, I've written it down, I've internally, it's, it's uh, I'm a big proponent of finding a, a couple mantras. And sometimes there's parts of my life where I need to create something new, but money is a flow of energy. It flows to me and it flows away from me. And my only job is to not block that flow. So my job is not to make money. My job is not to create money or find money, discover money. Money is all around us all the time. It's like in massive abundance. I mean, we just, the government just produced what, like $3 trillion or something insane like that. Like it's, it's around us all the time. And there's things that I do that block that flow, like worrying about money or avoiding money or, mm-hmm. um, you know, judging myself or others around money, all that stuff blocks the flow. And so I have to practice like awareness mm-hmm. around, oh, wait, I'm in fear and scarcity right now. Like the pandemic, when my business closed and my money was definitely threatened, I had to tell myself, like, it's actually expensive and I cannot afford to worry about money right now. I have a yes. family, I have things to provide for. I can't afford it. So I'm, I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm not going to resist it or beat myself up for worrying about it. That's not useful either. But I'm going to hear it. I'm going to see the worry. I'm going to hear the thoughts. And I'm going to say, you know what? You're not serving me right now. What's going to serve me is to c- keep surrendering, keep opening the channel, and trusting that as much as this flow is flowing out of my life right now, mm-hmm. uh, if I allow that flow and open the channel and let it be, it will flow in equally, if not in greater quantities, uh, if I trust that process and, and it's consistently shown to be true mm. in my life. Yeah, I guess sometimes I like this, what you're saying. Believe me, I do honestly like this. Hit me. The hard get, get, thing you know, for Pick me. it apart. Okay. Break so let me, it down. Okay. okay. Yeah. Here's where I'm coming from. I want people to be skeptical. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be skeptical, not to just be skeptical, but I am one of those people who... I come from a traditional Italian family from the Bronx. Like scarcity mindset is just in me. It is part of who I am. And it's I want to get to where it is in my DNA. It's in my core. I want to get yeah. to where you are. I really do. Because also, I mean, on the other side of this, the, at the heart of, of, of going into like full-time professional artist the thing that i hear the most from other other artists that i've talked to is the idea of not making enough or not feeling financially secure and how that affects your creativity it affects the work like you do have to have a certain level of of comfort around your finances to kind of freely create so i want to get to where you are to feel that way because I do have that scarcity mindset. I'm just being honest. And I think a lot of people do. So like, what are some steps that I could take to get to this enlightened being as you are? <laughs> um, well, or like some things that you could tell, so tell, all, like, tell me now. Or also, like, I, I think it's, yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's helpful to know that like, 
while I definitely don't come from a background of poverty, I don't come mm. from, you know, wealth or anything like that. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a white male in America. So there's certainly levels of privilege and stuff like that, that I can take mm. responsibility for. But, um, you know, my father grew up very poor. Like they didn't always have shoes, you know, uh, growing up. And my mom is from, and he's from an Irish Catholic background. And my mom, um, my mom's an artist and she's been an artist my whole life. So, um, you know, but she, whatever, you know, she worked for a mural company, um, doing like mural architectural restoration murals. If your church ceiling needed to be touched up, you'd give them a call, you know? Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't come from whatever. I don't know. And even if I did, the thing is you can, there are people that come from wealthy backgrounds that have scarcity mindset. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. know? So it's almost irrelevant in a sense. But if, when I meet someone that is, um, you know, definitely aware that they have a strong scarcity mindset and that their natural go-to uh, way of being around money is that there isn't enough and I need to figure out how to, you know, get more. Uh, and then I'll be happy, right? That's mm -hmm. So that way of thinking is a, um, uh, a have, do, be. If I have more money, then I'll do the things that I am supposed to be doing, like making more art and da 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 da, and then mm -hmm. I'll be happy, right? Mm -hmm. That's a have, do, be uh, equation. Now that equation doesn't work for anyone. There's not a single person on the planet that that actually works for, but it's a very common way of thinking about the world. If I have more money, then I'll do the things that I'm supposed to do, and then I'll be happy, right? Can you relate to that? Uh, yes, I can. Yeah. Yeah. Into some degree right and so right. what i want to offer and this isn't an original thought of mine i have participated in a lot of coaching courses and this one particularly comes from something called landmark education the landmark forum i don't know if you're familiar with it or heard of it um, but it's something i've participated in quite a lot of courses and it really has made all the difference in my life um is the concept of a be do have mentality so rather than focusing on what it is that i need to have in order to do in order to be i'm going to focus on who do i need to be how is my way of being going to generate the actions that i take can i make art from a place of financial well-being first and when i'm doing that i'm a lot more that's a lot more in line with the way the universe actually works and naturally i will have the things that i aspire to have whether i get exactly what i want i i don't know but i will certainly get what i need i can guarantee that mm -hmm. and i find when i bring my awareness and my attention to who am i being in this situation so who am i being around money so that would be the first thing i would ask you is to just really bring your awareness to not in a judgmental or critical way but in a curious inquisitive way hmm what's my way of being around money and then you can look and see, okay, what are the actions that that's giving me? Well, I'm acting. You are certainly, I don't have to know your way of being around money to know that you are acting in alignment with your way of being around money. Would you hmm. agree? Clarify exactly what you mean by that question. So what do you mean the acting I, around money? So let me ask you money? this. Here's, yeah. here's a really great way to explore this. And anyone listening to this, this is what's going to make it really clear. Okay. Anthony, Let's do it. you're a painter, right? I am. When you go to paint... Mm -hmm. How would you describe your way of being? My way of being when I go to paint, I am yeah. in just a 
uh, emotional flow of creativity. Can you say anything else about that? Are you having fun? Oh Are yeah, being... I'm com- completely having fun. It's all it's all fun. It's all good. It's all good. It's all fun. And um, anything else? Any other ways of being around? Like, can you see that? Like, be having fun is a way of being that you are around painting. Am I understanding the question wrong? Can, yeah. Can <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. No. You're you're booing. Oh yeah. Perfectly. Can, okay, I'm saying. Great. Can you can you see that? It's not just that you're having fun. It's that you are fun when you're painting. It's who you're being naturally. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and then now, how is that working out for you in terms of your painting? Is that is that are you getting the result that you want to get from my painting? Yeah. I mean, when I'm yeah, in that place, yeah, yeah. When, when I'm in, in that, that place, place right? I am just in the zone. It's fun. It's exciting. It's fresh. I'm learning. Yeah. I'm and experimenting. I've, you know, I've seen your painting. We traded a tattoo for a painting. Did, I have yeah. your painting hanging in my tattoo shop. Everyone that sees that painting, it's of ODB. It's, um, it's fucking amazing. I love Everyone it. that sees your artwork, Anthony can immediately, it comes through that you're having a fucking good time. I agree. I think that's what's so attractive <laughs> about your artwork is that it's like people just want to be around your art because they're so present to what a good time you're having making it. You know? I love it. Keep telling – tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's working – I would say – I'm assuming it's working really well for you to have a way of being around painting that's fun and flow and experimental Mm-hmm. And there's probably not a lot of fear there, right? No, 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 not at all. It's clear. It's obvious, right? Okay. So now, now that we've established your way of being around making art, what? How would you describe your way of being around money? Being around money. Uh, let's see. I am. What do you mean being around money? Like if I'm in a bank? If I'm in a bank, I feel like I'm waiting okay. online. My legs hurt. Okay. <laughs> So let's say you are about to uh, charge someone some money or mm-hmm. you get a bill in the mail uh, or you have to just deal with money. Like what's yeah. what's there for you? It's certainly I definitely not fun, feel, right? Right. No, it's it's not fun. I definitely feel more uncomfortable. Actually, the the fun that I do have with money, I do I started investing over the over the pandemic. I, that's my yeah. first uh, like entry into investing and that I find fun because I like the idea of building a future and saving that actually I'm good with, but I will, I will agree with you when I have to charge somebody because art to me, I'm, I'm more on like the romantic side of art. Like I'll have a whole conversation about the meaning with the person and like talking about the idea. But I do agree when it comes to saying like, here's my price and charging them and doing that whole thing. I am a little bit more uncomfortable around it because of my, my childhood messaging about money and rich people and money yeah. in general. Yeah. Yeah. So there's it's not an fun uncomfortability. It's yeah. not fun there. I hear a little bit of judgment. Yeah. Right. There's some judgment of yourself, of rich people, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. You know, I mean, sorry, rich um, people, but yeah, you know I mean, the, that's just know, the messaging. You know that, first of all, let's just get clear on what rich people are. All right. Mm-hmm. The average median uh not i don't know it's median but the average income if you took all the income of all the people on the planet and you averaged it out per person the average person earns five thousand dollars a year yeah no i know i know rich people there's no problem so you're with rich, rich people yeah you no no rich. i get it i get that yeah i get that no i'm yeah. just saying it's it's a healthy perspective because we think rich people are people that earn a million dollars and over a year yeah but in the scheme of things, you and I are extraordinarily wealthy compared to people around the globe, you know? Yeah, no, so, I understand. Um, that. So, 
you're 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 being uncomfortable you're being somewhat judgmental is there anything else that comes up for you are you do you feel tight do you feel overwhelmed do you feel confused any of that stuff coming up for you around money uh not overwhelmed or confused but i do get like uh yeah maybe a little bit of a tightness or at least i i did more i'm i'm better with it now but yeah there is some okay. of that yeah but yeah. definitely a, okay, an so uncomfortable an uncomfortableness yeah yeah and i would even suggest or propose that uh the levels of tightness and uncomfortability that you have you've almost gotten comfortable with the degree of uncomfortability you have around money so it might not even seem that extreme to you mm-hmm. oh yeah i can but live like in an compared to my level of uncomfortability around money you're very uncomfortable around money okay probably right and you're just so used to it that it's like you know so now let's say you were to go do a painting and your way of being before you stepped into the room and you grab the paintbrush and you have the paint you're right there and you're uncomfortable, judgmental, and uh, and 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 tight. You mm-hmm. know how mm-hmm. well would that go for the painting? Not very well. Although I don't know, that sounds interesting. I'd like to try to use that. Uh, maybe <laughs> it would be awesome. Actually, that sounds cool. I like this, man. How much do I owe you for this? <laughs> no, $10, no, so, dollars. no. Oh. This is actually this. Oh, I just got a tightness in my chest. This is actually. <laughs> No, you know why this is good is because I do think the fear around money does transfer into the studio at some at some points, because Mm -hmm. I will tell you when I went full time, the first few paintings I made. And when I say few, I mean, for a while, I did have more of a not a not a tightness, but the fear definitely entered the studio where Mm -hmm. when I was making money from a full time job, it was all fun. That was just complete Mm. release. You know what I mean? So like after work, I knew I got my paycheck. The finances were there, so it was one hundred percent fun and creative. And then and so going full time, how did that go for you when you're? Because your way of being shifted in that moment yeah, when you're yeah, full time. Your way of definitely. being around art, some of your way of being around money in, was imbued into your way of being around art. And how did that go? Not well at all. I wanted to kill myself. No, I'm, I didn't. I didn't want to kill myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, not it's well cry at all. For help I right mean, now? yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, not yeah, and that's not a joke for anybody. Whatever, but no, uh, yeah, it, it no, didn't go yeah, very it was, well. It was horrible because it does enter in, and then it feels like the stuff I'm making. And Jana, you've, I mean, you've, ex- you've kind of experienced, or at least it sounded like to me, you've, you've experienced a similar thing, like going full time. That fear enters the studio, mm-hmm. and then the things you're making, you're questioning what you're making. You start to think I have to make a certain thing that's going to sell, and it's, it's definitely yeah. not as free and not as, yeah. it's not as fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it took it me took about a, a year to get back yeah. to that place where I did. I used to have an e-commerce business, and we were acquired five years in, and which allowed me financially to pursue art full time. And before that, I did it part time. And when I went full time, yeah, there's something shifted that I was thinking, okay, this is a luxury product I'm creating, and I hate thinking it of it like this, but that's how that's what it did to me. But when I was running a business, my mindset about money was energy. And when I got the bill, I used to say, I, not I have to pay, I am glad that I get to pay this bill instead of, oh, I have to pay this bill. And my business took off. But I had to, it took me about a year to translate that mind, mindset into art. Because you do, I mean, there's one, on one hand, you want to be taken seriously as an artist with galleries and collectors, which you have this, I mean, it's bullshit, but it's a preconceived notion of you have the starving artist and you have to suffer for your work. Um, 
But it's like financial suffering. Right. That, but that you still have story. to eat. It's such a and story. That whole story. Yeah, it's it a benefits story. only people who are on top. Being. Yes, yes, yeah. it is a story. So, for sure. so there's actually a, a term uh, like a. It's called ontology, uh, yes, which is the science of being. Yep. And there's a lot of research, neuroscience, and, and stuff that's going into because we are human beings, right? We're human. That's the type of animal we are. And then we be some type of way. That's the, just the nature of us. So <clears throat> you, so in, in this conversation, you can see if who you're being is directly related to what you're doing and how you're doing it, which is directly related to the result that you have, that you get at the end. So that's, that's where I would start. And that's generally where I start with people in the conversation is like, who are you being? Who are you being around mm -hmm. money? Um, and is that serving you? And, and if it's not serving you, uh, first, we just cultivate awareness around this. So this is actually something that I think is uh, missing. There's a lot of TikTok and social media, money influencer people, whatever, quote unquote, guru, blah, blah, blah. Uh, manifestation is a big topic. Mm -hmm. And I'm a, a firm believer in the power of manifestation, but you can't skip over. You can't put icing on a mud pie and have it taste good. So if your way of being around money is shit and based in fear and scarcity, and you just start saying like, oh, I'm going to have infinite abundance is going to flow easily into my life from all directions and da, 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 da. You're doing that on top of, I'm going to go broke any minute now, <laughs> you know? And it's it, you can't overpower, like I said, you can't, make a mud pie taste good by putting icing on top of it. So you first mm. have to create some space in the relationship you currently have with money. When you shine light on it, when you bring your awareness to it, when you start to investigate it and get curious around it rather than resisting it, because that's what most people do. We don't even want to look. We don't want to mm -hmm. pick that rock up and look under there. It's ugh, gross. Um, but when we do that, I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, have a lot of fear and scarcity. And oh, this yeah. came from my relationship. My parents were like this and that. Um, it weakens that, that, that mud pie that doesn't taste so good. It, it starts to disappear. Um, it never fully goes away ever. It never, ever, ever fully goes away. My fear around money is still present. The difference between now and 10 years ago is it's a tiny little creature on my shoulder versus this over consuming monster, you know, and I hear the fear, but I, my relationship to it is so like, I hear you, dude. I, I appreciate you for sharing with me your fear-based thoughts. I acknowledge you. It, I know that you care about me, but you do not serve me. And mm -hmm. so I want to respect you, and I respect your opinion, but it doesn't serve me. And so I'm, I'm not going to um, adopt this perspective. And that's mm -hmm. really my relationship to fear around money. It's still there. It's still present. But the way of being around it has completely shifted. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, in theory, I love everything you're saying. And I don't mean in theory like it's not real. I just need to – yeah, I need to get there. I need to learn how to get Anthony, there. Anthony, do you mean that I haven't completely changed your life in the past five minutes no. in an <laughs> impactful way? No, I'm lying. Actually, I just forever realized – permanently? No, I just realized there's a pile of cash on my floor all of a sudden. I didn't see it before. That, there you go. Here we, here see, we are. It's I'll that wish. easy. And in, in five minutes, I can <laughs> – <laughs> you just change a pile life. of money appear yeah. in front of you. All right, yeah. this podcast so is that... over. My life is fixed, and all you can go <laughs> fuck yourselves. I'm rich. <laughs> no, so I'm that's like, the other but... 
I just want to say something that it's a practice. I just want to say something that that really resonated when you. So again, I don't know where you were at in your journey when when you did my tattoo, but you were saying something that I. So I just have different language around some of this stuff. When sure. when I met you is around the time that I just went full time. So there was a lot of fears in me, and the way that I felt about this was when I had a full time job and my financial like I was just getting a steady income. So my inner voice around painting was just 100% positive because it was all extra and it was all fun and it was all good. And anything that came in from it was just like, wow, this is incredible. Somebody's paying me a couple of thousand dollars for a painting. Like, this is incredible. So everything around it, my whole inner voice around painting and the money I was getting from painting was positive And I felt like so much more was coming in. And then as soon as I went full time... All of this, I think it brought up all of these fears because now I didn't have the, like, you know, I just didn't have the stability there. Somebody took all the scaffolding away and now I was just, I was just in the middle of Siberia, Jana. Thank you for that. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, and now the painting, it was coming from a fearful place and I felt like my my productivity and also my income actually lowered for a while. But what you were saying when you were working on me. I think it was – I don't know if it was around the time you did your ayahuasca journey or a little bit – I mean, obviously, it was after. I don't know how much after. But you were talking about the idea of that ego death and, like, you had – that. it seemed like that was your financial awakening and you were talking about that, like, the positivity around thinking about money and, like, the freedom and the, the scarcity mindset going away and, like, the fears going away. So I do believe it, you know? It's just doing the work to get there uh, when you don't have – a paycheck, which I think is hard for a lot of artists, especially when they first enter into like the full time career. It's actually it's not it's not hard thinking about it like it's hard. And I get why that perspective is present, because you have lots of reasons why it's hard. Um, but we either have the results we're looking to produce or we have the reasons why we're not producing them. Mm-hmm. You can't have both at the same time. Mm hmm. It's actually in that in that intense fear when you go full time as an artist, that's the best place to do the work because it's Mm. the most present for you and you can actually deal with it. You can actually face it. You can't actually fully face it. You can't face the dragon head on in the way you can. You know, if you if you kind of have this other side, I'm not saying quit your job now and go and, you know, plan and give some you know thoughtful um but at some point you do kind of have to step off the ledge mm-hmm. and when you do that's that's when you'll get to face it and it's a beautiful moment actually it's a um it's an opportunity every and i say this in my course i beat people over the head with this every breakdown is an opportunity for a breakthrough mm-hmm. but you have to have the breakdown first mm-hmm. in order to have the breakthrough I love that. And what that. we do a lot in life is we avoid ever having the breakdown, but we, we want the breakthrough. We're mm-hmm. like, oh, but I'm just going to really try to play it safe. And so I don't have any breakdowns. I'm going to try to manage it all to avoid having any breakdowns. Meanwhile, you're just in one giant breakdown, which mm-hmm. is avoiding breakdowns. Mm. And then you don't really allow yourself to have the breakdown in its most useful way. And then you never have the breakthrough. Damn. That is gold right there guys <laughs> i know and that just hit I, me i just wanted to uh, yes. sit in that for a second 
But that's such a good, great language around it. I think that's going to really help a lot of people, especially mm -hmm. creative people. Yeah, I, I, there's something that in this other course I took, uh, they refer to as like the fear barrier. Mm -hmm. This comes from, uh, the, if anyone's familiar with Bob Proctor, yes. the Proctor Gallagher Institute, um, they talk about the fear barrier. And I, I did a six-month um, coaching program with, with someone trained in that uh, methodology. And um, the fear barrier is like the thing that we're terrified of that we just spend our whole lives avoiding. And you can have multiple fear barriers, but... Uh, the, the secret isn't to, okay, just jump on in and dive into the fear barrier. No, but lean into it. It's actually, it's actually when you start to relate to that fear as, um, something to lean into versus something to shy away from your whole life will start lining up in ways that you would like to see it starting to line up. And, um, and, and sometimes it just takes a while moving through resistance and whatever we got to go through, but. I've trained myself that when I start to fear something like if I'm the other day, I was thinking about working with this new coach <clears throat> and I'm, I know I'm talking a lot about coaches because I, I put a lot of time, energy and effort into coaches and coaching. Mm -hmm. I did my taxes for 2022. I spent $73,000 on coaching programs and one-on-one -on -one coaches oh, in 2022. Wow. Moly. And now that has returned on an investment, you know, tenfold. Like it literally has, it's returned and it will continue to return. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably spend more than that in 2023. Um, so How do you I was thinking coaches? about working with this coach. Uh -huh. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th this is the answer to your question right here. So I was talking with this coach and um, looking to work on some personal areas of my life, but also professional. It's all tied together really for me. Um, and I wasn't, I was like, not going to, I was like, you know what? I'm, I've got a lot going on right now. I really like this. I want to do this. But um, I, I have a good gut feeling. So first of all, I pick coaches because I have a good gut feeling. And I've learned to listen to my gut and trust it. Um, and I said, yeah, I just got this gut feeling that like right now is not the time. I would really like to talk in, in four months – or sorry, in one month, four weeks. Uh, she said, okay. And then after the conversation, I – you know, whatever, the weekend went on. And it was just like resonating with me. The, the conversation did not leave my mind. And then I started to realize – that I actually had some fear around working with her because of what I would have to give up in order to actually have my life really work in every area of my life. Wow. What, what I'd have to surrender, what I'd have to give up. And a lot of it's all comfort zone shit, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I realized that I, and I realized I had to be a hundred percent willing to give it up to work with her. And my dad always says there's a huge difference. I'm going to drop a lot of bombs on you guys today. There's a huge difference between being 99% committed and 100% committed. Mm -hmm. There's a huge, it's a fucking mm -hmm. yeah. ocean, an Atlantic Ocean difference. Yeah. And when you're 99% committed to something, it is fucking hard. It's an uphill battle. You're like almost there, but not quite. And you're, you got one toe out. You got your escape route, you know, in case you have to bail on it. But when you're 100% committed, the universe literally rearranges itself in order to help you fulfill on your mission mm. when you're 100% committed. And so I realized my, the reason my gut was telling me that I, I don't know if I should work with her is because I actually wasn't 100% committed to having a life that really works for me and everyone in my life fully in every area of my life because I'd rather stay in the things that are comfortable and familiar, which are really not comfortable at all. They're just familiar. There's no such thing as the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. There's the familiar zone and the unfamiliar yeah. zone. 
So I, I, and then when I, that, com, that conversation just stuck with me and I realized I was afraid of that. And I called her up two days later. I said, I'm ready to work with you because I was afraid. And that I lean, I re, I, that's the fear. I recognize it. That's that fear that when I lean into it, I'm actually rewarded. Um, but if I don't lean into it, I will stay stuck in resistance and stay suffering until I'm ready to take responsibility and, and lean into it. Damn, Ryan, you're fucking me up right now. I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Do you have an extra bedroom in your apartment that I could move into? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, the rent is a hundred grand a month. All right, done. Easy. Yeah. If yeah. you will see a return on your investment, and you will. I, will I promise, I, will, I, will I guarantee you, it. it'll be fine. It no, won't I even. I always tell people, no, I, I, I wouldn't. I don't charge those prices yet, but one day I will. <laughs> um, but I, um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say when I work with people, um, I do not. I don't sign someone up. I don't work with someone waiting to see if it works out for them. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, mm, I, I think it's going to work for this person. I hope I'm pretty sure it's going to work. I don't do that. It's only going one way. You are getting the fucking results that you came here to produce. And that's it. There's no, or, or, and, but there's none of that. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, that's, it's just, and that's a way of being mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Can you see how ineffective it would be if I was a coach and I was a, Okay, you're going to pay me a bunch of money, and I'm going to hope that it works out for you. Now, obviously, you need to be committed. You need to take action and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But even that, I don't wait to see if that I, you know, you're fucking committed. You're getting the results. It's only going one way, and that's my way of being around coaching you. Mm-hmm. I coach you like you are already capable of producing all the results that you want to produce. You might not relate to yourself that way, but mm-hmm. that's why working with me is so powerful is because I'm going to always relate to you like the massively successful and effective and happy, joyous and free person that you already are mm-hmm. that you don't even see yet, but you will. I promise. Well, you know, what's funny that just hit me while you were saying that uh, the way. Wow. Yeah, it really is just a mindset thing in some ways. I mean, you have to have the technique and, and the foundation there, too, like you're saying about the mud pie. But it, this just hit me that like. The way you're talking about money and making money and being around money is exactly how I would talk to somebody who wanted to learn how to express themselves through painting, you know, Mm. like with that level Mm -hmm. of because that you basically have the level of confidence around money and the flow of money that I would around. Yeah. Somebody like teaching somebody how to genuinely express themselves. That's so fascinating to me. And that's what it is. It's all the same. That's why my company is called the Artful Dollar, because Money is just another medium. You know, I am Bob Ross and money is the paint and my life is the canvas. And I'm just going to paint a happy little tree. And you got a bunch of happy little trees around you. Yeah, that's right. That's That's beautiful. I love that. Um, Something I I, I do want to switch topics a little bit. I I love this. And I think this is going to be so huge for a lot of people to hear. Um, And we have to have you back on to talk more about this eventually. But I do want to switch on to a subject that you and I were talking about on the phone the other day. Basically what your kind of what happened in your journey, the idea of being a tattooer. Is it tattooer or tattoo artist? Is tattoo artist offensive now? <laughs> is that like not on the table anymore? Because I feel like I... that's my word. Okay, oh, you can't okay. say that. Okay, no. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Let's not go there. Okay. Uh... <laughs> um, 
No, because yeah, I've always said tattoo artist my whole life, and then you keep saying tattoo artist. So now I don't know. Like, yeah, what's I don't going know on. why I say tattooer. That sounds I don't so much. Because yeah. maybe because no, it's like I a painter, yeah, illustrator. Painter, you're a tattooer. Maybe that's why. All right. Yeah. All right. I got it. Tattoo artist, tattooer. Yeah. But the idea of especially for artists like being some type of artist is so ingrained in our personality like i know for me being a musician or being a painter like that's such a part of my core and switching into something else would almost feel like something in me is dying or it's not even like an external judgment it's just like this is such a part of my dna and now i'm just not doing it anymore that doesn't feel right at my core um, but you're basically doing that. And in some ways I feel like I'm also going through a little bit of a transformation around that, which I, I mm. don't have to talk about now, but yeah. What is that like for you? Or how does that feel? What, what has that journey been like for you? I'm glad we're talking about this because I've been talking a lot about it on Instagram. A friend of mine posted something about tattooers and getting, you know, it's hard to tattooing is fucking hard. It's hard on your body. After 15 years of it, you fucking feel it in your back. And we were talking about, you know, what what would your second act look like, be like? Because it would be if you started tattooing in your 20s, it'll be very difficult to be tattooing in your 50s. Mm-hmm. And you're not retiring. You can't touch your IRA until you're 59 and a half. So tattooing deep into your 50s is going to be a challenge. And mm-hmm. what would it look like if you were to do something else? And um, so, and I think that's not just the case for tattooers. I mean. I think anyone, uh, hairstylists, barbers, like, I mean, literally anything like it's hard to want to do the same thing forever, but then yeah, you feel like, well, I, this is me. This is what I do. I'm mm-hmm. the painter. I'm the photographer. I know myself. I only know myself to be that other people know me to be that if I started to do anything else, like, yeah, it feels threatening to our, our ego, our identity. And, um, but I, but I think it's so healthy to, give yourself permission to say, you know what? I've been this thing my whole life. And uh, while um, it's in a sense defined a part of my life, it does not define me as a Mm -hmm. person. Um, And and I actually think it's super healthy for artists to stop identifying yourself with your artwork. Mm -hmm. You're an artist, you make art, you made art, but the quality of the art, the price of the art, none of that has anything to do with you as a person. And when you can start to make that separation, I actually think it's very healthy for your artwork. I agree. I think a lot of artists need to hear that too because there is, I I, I believe, a big link from depression and artists because of that. Mm. If their work starts Mm. to go down, if their price starts to go down, it feels like it's a reflection on them as a person and it's not. So yeah, Yeah. more artists need to hear that. And, and then, you know, yeah, like what if you want to do something else in life and, and switch careers? So it wasn't ever my I, – I didn't really think about am I going to tattoo forever. I just assumed I was going to tattoo forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it was getting hard on the body. And then, you know, the silver lining for me in the pandemic was it opened me up to this thing that I am to, – to be completely honest, I never thought I'd be more passionate about anything than I was about tattooing. And mm-hmm. I am much more passionate about this uh, work that I do now than I ever was about tattooing. And it doesn't mean I want to stop tattooing, but I, I kind of don't even, I'll always think of myself as a, as a tattoo artist, but I, I haven't really tattooed in months, um, maybe once or twice. And I, I might do a couple pieces in the next couple months, but mm-hmm. you know, going from tattooing 
four, five, six days a week at points in my life to months at a time without tattooing is super weird. Um, and, um, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the question was I was going to answer with it, but I'm just sort of talking about it. Um, it was, do you like hot dogs or hamburgers better? <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, well, I think we went, we is went a way, hot dog way, a sandwich. I yeah, thought, we went way, is way a hot dog topic. a sandwich? That's really the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's healthy to give yourself some space to do. And you can always come back, you know, mm-hmm. you can always, there's no, there's no rules. Uh, you can be, do, you know, I think th- there's a lot of artists that are also really interested in things like psychology and social work and, mm-hmm. you know, other types of service and ways to help and, you know, put out something good and meaningful in the world. Not that art doesn't do that, but in other ways. And, um, yeah, do it, explore that. I just think that's so healthy. I agree. I think it I can actually add to your practice whenever and if ever you decide to pick that up, I think you're just, you're allowing yourself to be a more whole being. Yeah. Oh, I have a whole idea of how I want to approach tattooing when I do step back into it on a more regular basis and mm-hmm. being much more intentional and really actually bringing in elements of coaching into tattooing and like i want to sit and do like a two hour consultation with you i used to do 15 minute consultations with people i want to sit and i want to get to know you and i want to learn about your spiritual journey and uh you know part of my spiritual journey i think anyone's is you're constantly remembering and forgetting remembering and forgetting over and over and over again remembering messages from past lives and uh, little nuggets of wisdom that you then forget and remember over and over again. And so I want to help design a tattoo in a collaborative way that is that reminder for you that the thing that you need to be reminded of for the rest of your life on your spiritual journey that will continue to serve you, I want to make tattoos that are inspired by that. And, mm-hmm. and that's part of what I foresee um, my, my tattooing practice looking like in the future. That's so funny that you're saying that because I feel like – so I'll just tell you a little bit about, well, A, I'll start with this. I think it's fine to switch careers or like if you're, it is a part, this is what the journey is. If you're a painter, if you're a tattooer and it leads to something else, that is the journey. And I think that's, I think it's a beautiful thing. So the thing I wanted to go back to is what you're saying about having longer consultations. That's kind of what led me to where I want to be. So when I work with somebody on a piece my consultations, I would have a Zoom call with everybody. Anybody who wanted a commission piece, I would have a Zoom call with. And they started getting longer and longer. I'll sit on a Zoom call with somebody for an hour or more to find out like who they are, like why they want this piece, what they want it to mean to them. And I'm not only finding out about what they want it to mean explicitly, but I'm finding out who they are and almost painting what they need instead of what they want if that makes any sense mm, yeah. because I'm getting oh, yeah. to know them. I'm, tr- I'm I'm getting to understand like, what do you really want from this piece? Like, why are you asking for it? Why do you want this character or this person? So I'm really trying to, yeah, like, I don't, I don't want to tattoo what you want. I want to tattoo what you need. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's how, that's how I feel <laughs> when I'm talking to them. That. Like I'm really trying, and this isn't like bullshit. I'm really trying to understand who they are yeah. and what they, what they need. So when they look at this piece, like if there's a sadness in them that they're not, expressing or tapping into but that's what i'm getting from them i want to create a piece so when they look at it they're just like holy shit i see my 10 year old self in this and they're like break down and cry like i want to make people cry basically but 
Yeah. Like I, I started to realize, especially after I went full time, that that was the important thing to me. I love making cool shit. I love painting and I like, I love like, I mean, it's cool to make money off of the paintings that you're making. But the thing that I actually value is that human connection and talking to them about what they need. And after I deliver the piece to them, like seeing their appreciation or what it does for them or their family or their daughter that they bought it for or something like that. Uh, and that kind of led me to this podcast, really. I want connection with other artists, with other collectors, with Jano. When we have conversations about like AI art or whatever crazy stuff we're talking about, like this human connection is something that's really important to me. And I learned so much about life and this career and these different journeys when I have these individual conversations that like, I just want to share with the world because that's important to me. And it's not scary to me that my life has kind of segued into this, but me and you had a private conversation while you were doing a tattoo on me that I loved. And now I have the opportunity to like talk to you on this open forum and hopefully people listen to this. And now they get to hear the conversation that we had that like the conversation between us helped me out so much. And it opened me up to different ways of thinking about money specifically. Cause that was one thing that came up that I have a thing around. Yeah. So like, if I can get that out there, I think that's amazing. And I love that my life has taken me this way, you know? And I also, I mean, it's the same thing with like Jana. I met Jana at a, at an art fair two years ago. And like the way our vibe was and our conversation was like, that also became a part of this. Like, it's just this giant snowball that you keep picking up. Like you pick up a tree here and you pick up a barn there. And eventually you get to, as you're going down the mountain, you're like, wait, I could set up a whole farm. Cause I have a barn. I have a tree. Like, mm -hmm. You just find the different tools that you're picking up along the way. Oh, there's a dog in my face. Um, you find, yeah, you just like pick up all the tools that you've been collecting over the years. And it's fine if you're not what you were. It's going to lead to something else. And, and that should be beautiful. That's how life is, you know? Yeah. It shouldn't be a yeah. scary thing is what I'm saying after all that blabbering on that I just did. But And it, and it is a scary thing. And I think it's. It's okay to be scary. I, yeah. It's okay to acknowledge I, it. Yeah. Anytime I hear should or shouldn't, I immediately like a red flag goes up for me. I'm like, there's no such thing. There's no should. Mm -hmm. it's not that it should or shouldn't be red, uh, scary. Well, that's interesting. It, is scary. I have, it doesn't need to be scary. I have a workshop around fear of changing careers. So you can take my workshop and I'll get all that fear away. <laughs> uh, no, I yeah. mean, of, co yeah. of course, it's a scary thing. I guess I'm, I, I use the word should or shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't use that word. But yeah, I'm just saying I try not to think of it as a scary thing. And I try to think of life as like, it's a journey and it's going to lead you to different places, you know? Uh, yeah. And I guess the way that the uh, one reason why I think about that is because before I was painting, I was in a touring band and that was the art form that I was doing. And like, to, there was a point where that was my whole identity. And the idea of not being in a band and not being a musician was like, that doesn't make sense. I've been playing the guitar since I was 10 years old. And then when that was yeah. coming to an end, I just immediately started painting because I used to paint more. I used to draw more. And like, it was kind of a seamless transition that I just went from one thing to another, just because like, that's just where my life took me. I started painting for whatever reason. And now that's what I'm doing now. And who knows what I'll be doing in five years, but you just have to kind of continue on this journey and like do what feels right at the time for you. I think. Yeah, don't hold your idea of yourself so tightly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ryan, uh, what's your, do you have a morning ritual or routine that you do that puts you, like, sets you up for the day? 
Everyone's obsessed with I know. <laughs> or like uh, a gratitude. Do yeah. you have a, a gratitude mantra? I do think it's important. I have a, uh, I have a, 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 a two-foot-high little <laughs> munchkin comes and uh, pokes me and uh, starts judging me immediately and ordering me around the house. Uh, her name is Veda. She's my daughter. And uh, that's my morning routine. It's really, really refreshing to, um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, when I'm not being woken up by a tiny little munchkin, bossy munchkin, um, I, I, I meditate. You know, I do mm-hmm. like meditating. I, there are times in my life where I have journaled every single morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wax and wane from that practice, but I, I will always, I will return to that Mm -hmm. again and again. Um, I find that writing and, uh, I'm a big fan of the artist's way. Are you guys familiar? You know, that's the morning Uh, pages. Another, the morning pages. Yeah. I do that. You were telling me, I, Oh, I didn't realize that's what that was. We were talking about that. Oh, I didn't know that was the same thing. Awesome. Yeah. The morning pages comes from Julia Cameron's book, the artist's way. Uh, where you just write for about 20 minutes and you just brain dump. Even if you're just writing, like, I don't even know what the fuck to write and I'm fucking tired. You write that down. (laughs) You write it down. Exactly. You just don't stop writing. And I found when I do that, after about 10-ish minutes, like, something kind of extraordinary starts happening. And, like, it's as if I'm not in charge of what I'm writing. And I've had, like, beautiful messages downloaded and come through the writing things that I really needed to hear. Like I can only bitch and moan and complain about aspects of my life for so long before I get mm-hmm. completely sick of it. And then something beautiful comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, I think important to have a place to dump those thoughts, get them outside of the fucking weird shit show going on in here. Um, and um, so morning pages is something. I, so I would say my, my morning routine has shifted and changed from time to time, but uh, I don't have some like masterful, this is the expert millionaire mindset morning ritual. I don't have that. <laughs> Damn it. What do we have you on here for? <laughs> I know. Honestly, I like to get up and fucking work. Like that's what I like to do. I do. Like if I had it my way, uh, on days that I do have it my way, I get up and I make a cup of coffee. I meditate. Maybe I read for 20 minutes and then I just get right into working. And I mm. really love it. I love doing what I do. Um, and when I'm not meeting with clients, I'm building out aspects of the business or making sure the internal functioning things. And I've like, since I I used to be a solo act and now I have a whole team of people that I work with. I have a COO and several customer client success management people to helping make sure that everyone in my course is, uh, their needs are being met. And, um, so yeah, I, I just like, I'm just motivated by what I do and, uh, I'm a big fan of this guy, Alex Ramosi. He's got a podcast. Uh, you could look him up. And uh, he, I heard him talk about, like, you know, fuck the whole morning ritual. He's like, you want a, you want a productive morning ritual? Wake up and work. <laughs> That's productive, you know? Um, I, I also have a lot of energy in the morning. I'm, I'm a morning person. When I would draw all day, every day, you know, five days a week, I like to wake up super early and draw. I felt like most of my creative energy uh, was in the morning. And there's oh, this wow. idea that, and it doesn't really make sense because morning here on this part of the planet is different on the other side of the planet. But this idea that you wake up in the morning and at least in your area of the planet, uh, most people are not up at four thirty, five o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning. And so there's a lot of energy around you that has not been tapped into yet. 
And then around 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., a whole bunch of people are waking up and using that Shakti, that juice, mm -hmm. that energy that's in the air. And then by 3, 4 o'clock, it's like, you know, almost completely depleted. And, you know, and so I like waking up at 4, 30, 5 o'clock when I get the chance. And I used to do a lot more before I had a child <laughs> um, who exhausts the hell out of me, but I love her dearly. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I felt like I had that energy that the world is quiet and I'm here focusing on my goal and it was just exhilarating mm -hmm. like really hmm. yeah yeah i think that's why i prefer night painting is because i feel like the rest of the world is kind of calm then and that's when i could steal all that energy yeah it's interesting people are either like they yeah i i, I cannot draw after 5 p.m wow. like it just the, you know the only thing i could draw is like if i already had a drawing outlined and i was <clears> just like <throat> detailing or something mm -hmm. that i could do it didn't really feel like it involved a ton of like creative energy mm -hmm. uh, but the creative sketching part i needed to do in the morning oh interesting you know because yeah. i i when actually when i went full time i was treating it more like a nine to five so i would try to do everything in that time span and i there was a period where i was doing that only basically and then for about two weeks i was only painting at night and i was like my brain just wakes up at night different like i could just i i just happened to something different at night yeah. And then I heard, I don't know if you're familiar with Andrew Huberman. He talks a lot uh. about like, he's a neuroscientist. He talks about like just different reasons why people do things or like had a, yeah. he's a big morning ritual guy, stare at the sun in the morning, take a cold shower, all that stuff. Uh, but I heard him talking about basically the idea of in the morning for a certain span of hours is when you could really do things like anything that you'll like check off a checklist, like more tasks or exercise stuff like that would be from like the morning until about 4 p.m and then from 5 p.m till like nine o'clock your brain works in a more like ambiguous creative so basically he was saying anything like writing or drawing or painting that's usually the best time for that obviously it's different for everybody but sure i just found that yeah that that works for me for whatever reason yeah the yeah. only <clears throat> the only it's not necessarily a routine but i am a huge fan of the uh, Banya, the Russian-Turkish bathhouse uh, in Manhattan, or any sauna, um, particularly if there is a good cold plunge mm -hmm. in, in adjacent. Um, mm -hmm. And, the, you know, I like to spend four hours at the Russian-Turkish bathhouse mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, schwitz and then jump <laughs> in that cold bath and it just donkey kicks the stress out of my body. Yeah. Um, and then go immediately. I'll hang out there for like two, three, sometimes four minutes in that cold water which is brutal, but eventually your whole body goes numb. It doesn't matter anyway. And then I'll go back in the sauna and mm -hmm. like, you know, I don't, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. And like, that's like my high is like going into the sauna. And, uh, and I, I feel like a new person afterwards. I feel so energized, uh, rejuvenated. Yeah. 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 yeah I grew like, up in like Siberia. That's the end of the week usually. <laughs> yeah. We go. do this yeah. all the time, even to young babies. You put them in the banya yeah. and then you throw them in the snow and you take the snow <laughs> oh and you rub God. them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, love yeah. that you're saying you just throw them in the snow. No, you yeah, because you throw know. the baby in the snow. <laughs> That's what you do. Yeah. You throw them in the fire, you let them warm up, and then you throw them in the snow. And then oh you go fight God. bears. Yeah. Damn. And then that's you fight so a bear. Russian. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, every Saturday you have to do this. It's a ritual. It's a, it's a morning <laughs> yeah. ritual, actually. Yeah, yeah throw the baby in the snow every Saturday. Yeah, and then you take the snow and you rub their body with it, and it's and then you take yeah. them back to the banya. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God! No wonder why you guys are so gangster. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. 
That's incredible. Uh, well, I know I've learned a lot, and I have mm-hmm. a lot to think about. Um, oh, we wanted what to ask your, you. What's your one? What's your one takeaway from this conversation, Anthony? My one takeaway from this conversation is that when I have a baby, I will be throwing them into the snow. And there's no two ways about it. I don't care what my wife says. They're going in the snow, and that's it. I was hoping you'd say something else, but that's okay. I don't remember anything else we talked about, actually. Uh, No, I mean, my one takeaway, I think, yeah, just... uh, Well, my one takeaway, one of my one takeaways, I have several one takeaways. One of them is I will most likely be taking your course because I like you and I like what you're saying and I do like this stuff and I do believe it because like I said I do think it's a mindset thing it has to be because I know I felt very different about this when I had a full-time job and I did feel that security and my inner voice was a lot different than what it was uh, after going full-time so that is something that I will be doing so look out for my email or my text excellent uh, but yeah, I think that is it. It's the it's the mindset shift and fully committing. And what else? Yeah, I think the I think the mindset thing. And it's just a matter for me anyway. It's a matter of like getting there and yeah. understanding. That I like that fear. we didn't really. I've been on a couple podcasts, and sometimes we talk all about the systems that I mm-hmm. help people implement. We get really practical and you know, aspects of that. And I, uh, and then sometimes we talk all about the mindset and I, I always enjoy the mindset conversation. I think it's a more powerful conversation. I could talk about the systems and stuff like that, but it doesn't, it doesn't land in the same way on a podcast, on a conversation that, you know, this stuff I think is anyone hearing this conversation. I think this is going to resonate with you for quite a while. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. mindset comes before systems. If you don't know that you need yeah. this, then who cares if you talk about systems, if you don't know, if you're not ready to implement that in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, right. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, we're also not like other podcasts. Other podcasts are boring and stupid. And <laughs> this is true. Ours yeah. is awesome. I've so. only been on boring, stupid podcasts. So I'm yeah, really until glad now. To well, be on an actually interesting, engaging one. That's well, you're welcome. And uh, yeah, you know, we do what we can. Jana, what about you? What, what's your one takeaway from yes. the conversation? Uh, one takeaway that I, um, I've been doing this for a long time, but you've said two things that even like empowered me to do go even deeper or allowed me to go deeper is the formula of you be and the, and then i forgot the other two words but what yeah, i got from be, it yeah that's all you matters who you yeah. be matters <laughs> who you be it's be do have versus have do be and this was like a reminder i really needed to hear at this point in my career and i'm really grateful i'm so it's such a pleasure meeting you and so thank you so much for being on I learned a lot, but this is like a re- deep reminder that I feel it really resonated with me and I will be right now <laughs> going forward. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And, and my one takeaway is that this stuff is just so much fun. So fun. It's just a lot of fun. Money can be fun. Yes. It continues to be fun in my life. We can have, we can have fun conversations around money, which mm-hmm. who would have fucking thought right. that, that would be the case. And not stress inducing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ryan, tell people where they could find you and what your course is and everything about you. So, uh, I have a website. It's theartfuldollar.com. We are currently working with a branding company to redo a bunch of stuff. But uh, you can go there. But really, the best place is to find me on Instagram 
at Ryan Roy, uh, and it's R O I, like return on investment. That's my actual wow. last name. How fortuitous. Made up last name. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, not, yeah. Ryan Roy Tattoo, T A T T O O. Uh, just that's it. Ryan Roy Tattoo. No spaces or anything like that. Uh, I post a lot of very valuable, free information, nuggets of wisdom on there. I really try to like. Um, give as much away for free as I can mm-hmm. uh, so that if you want to do it on your own and get as much value out of it, great. And then if you need support with the implementation or you just feeling stuck around it or something like that and you really need that extra help, like that's what I'm here for. But I try to give as much away for free on Instagram as I can. And, um, yeah, that's probably the best way, place to go. You can shoot me a message. I'm really active. I respond to everyone. And, um, yeah, I look forward to, to meeting you. I love that. I love that. All right. Well, you've heard it here first. There's an 80-year-old man inside of me. This has been another episode of Ready Go. <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Seriously, it's been awesome. This has we been should so have you hard. on yeah. again. My pleasure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will be back for sure. Yeah. Yes. Pleasure meeting you. Thank you, you so yeah. much. Be well. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye. All right. Before we go, I just want to tell you a little something. I never subscribe or like or share podcast stuff from any other podcast until there was a podcast I was getting value from. Um, Yeah, I was just learning a lot from it. And I was like, you know what? I can't give any money right now. So I'm going to like it and subscribe. And I rated the podcast. And I'll tell you what. I wrote them a really nice review. And first of all, I felt really good about myself because that stuff actually does help. You don't realize how much that helps like grow this thing to be a part of a podcast you love. And yeah, basically to help help them grow. If they're doing something you love, they're putting time into it. Uh, it really helped them. And obviously now I know how much that does help because we are trying to do something that provides you with some knowledge or some insight. Um, so yeah, I felt really good about that. And then they actually wrote me back which felt really cool that like these people that i'm listening to that i'm getting entertainment from and knowledge from just wrote me a nice message and they were like oh that's awesome that you did that so that felt really cool um and if you do have three dollars a month we do have a patreon page uh the link is below we're going to be putting up bonus material so also let us know what kind of bonus material you'd like because we want to give you as much as possible we love doing this we love talking to people and building a community i think it's really important to have that in this industry that's like such a solitary industry in some ways so let us know what you want let us know who you want to hear from let us know if you want to be on the podcast and we will see you soon bye